traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Communications Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. I'm excited to introduce my guest today, Debbie Goldsberry, who's the CEO of Magnolia Wellness. Debbie has nearly 30 years of experience as a leader in the medical and adult use marijuana industry. Magnolia Wellness is an award-winning dispensary in Oakland, California. She also co-founded the Berkeley Patients Group Medical Cannabis Collective in 1999, directing its growth for over 10 years until 2010. Debbie is the author of Starting and Running a Marijuana Business, Idiot's Guide, <laughs> a well-known industry guide, and was also a top-rated mentor at Gateway Incubator in Oakland, California, and is dedicated to helping entrepreneurs succeed. She's a former board member at California Normal and the Marijuana Policy Project and a professor emeritus at Oaksterdam University. So for those in the cannabis industry, you probably know Debbie, but if not, she has a lot of experience. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Great. Um, so I know I mentioned a lot in that introduction, but I did leave some things out. Uh, so let's start by learning more about you and your background and what kind of work you've you've done in the world uh, before really diving into cannabis. Well, as far as my background, I really got involved in cannabis in college back in 1986. I attended my first cannabis legalization event. Um, the Great Midwest Marijuana Harvest Festival. Um, so I went from college students studying rhetoric, logic, and politics straight into the cannabis industry. Well, it didn't actually exist back then. We had to, we had to create it. it. It's kind of an interesting story. Um, in 1987, well, people may know this, but the hippies started doing smoke-ins at various locations around the U.S. back in the 70s. By the time I came around and started experimenting with cannabis mid-80s, they were still going on a bunch of different places. 
Washington, D.C., Wisconsin, um, various college campuses, including mine, University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana. We had this smoking started in the 70s called Hash Wednesday. So when I went to Hash Wednesday in 1987, it was pre-Reagan war on drugs. And it was fun. Somebody brought a lifeguard chair and a 30-foot bong to the quad. And, uh, and we, uh, we had a smoke in. It was very peaceful. Uh, people were playing music, hacky sack, everything you would think a smoke in would look like. 1988, what happened is the administration changed. The war on drugs was ramping up. And universities said, well, we're going to stop these smoke ins. So they sent the police to Hash Wednesday. Um, that's my first experience with police violence, really. I mean, I'd already used cannabis myself. I knew it was fun. It was interesting. I'd stopped using alcohol, switched to cannabis. It was so, so much healthier. Well, at Hash Wednesday, 1988, they, they beat us up. They had billy clubs. They drug people off to, to jail. And it was too much for me. You can't teach somebody logic, political science, history, and the responsibility of how citizens behave in a democracy, and then come beat them bloody in the middle of that same campus for just, just for cannabis. So it was too much. Um, they said we'd never be back. We said you're wrong. We're coming back next year. In fact, we're going to come back at every college campus in Illinois because this is some baloney. And we did. A year later, we um, invited High Times, Normal, um, Ben Maisel, who coordinated the Great Midwest Marijuana Harvest Fest. Uh, Steve D'Angelo came. And we toured all the college campuses in Illinois. And it kicked off really a giant project and a nonprofit that I helped found the Cannabis Action Network. Uh, it was so successful, those, those college campuses in Illinois. We decided, well, we're gonna do five states in the fall. That was so successful. We decided we're gonna do 17 states in the spring. Um, and, and before you knew it, we were doing a, a thousand plus marijuana information events in the height of the war on drugs as the, the other side. They'd wiped all the info out of the college in university curriculums. You couldn't find anything about cannabis in, you know, in libraries. There was nothing online because there was no online. And all you got was government propaganda about brain frying from cannabis. So we'd go from place to place with LV Musica, medical marijuana patient who was getting 300 joints a, a month from the government, showing people that it was marijuana, marijuana was medicine. Um, we were with Jack Herrera um, with the Hemp Museum showing not only that, it's food, fuel, fiber, um, and then we would just talk about freedom and, and what it meant when the American government went so out of control that they were lying to the American people uh, about something like cannabis, which is a medicine of food, a fuel, a fiber, and it's darn fun too. So um, I went straight from college to, uh, to cannabis with uh, nothing in between. Wow, what a great story. And so many names uh, that are still involved uh, in the movement today. Uh, Steve D'Angelo, for sure. And of course, Jack Herrera. I had his uh, son, Dan, on the podcast recently to talk about he how he is continuing the legacy of his father. So, wow, cool. thank you so much for taking us through that. And I'm sure there's lots of stories uh, beyond that, uh, just a couple of minutes. So, um, so as we come closer to present day, uh, you're running Magnolia Wellness. I got to visit you in your shop in Oakland a few months ago with our videographer. So we came and we filmed uh, a little with you and there's a member spotlight video as you've been a longtime member of NCIA. Um, so that's something available for our listeners if they'd like to 
search for Magnolia Wellness and watch a short video uh, to see more information about Magnolia Wellness. That's a great resource as well. So you're, you're running Magnolia Wellness and we're gonna get into some very modern issues when we come back from the first commercial break. But let's just talk broadly about Magnolia Wellness in Oakland, California and what's what what your values are as a medical and, and adult use now um, cannabis dispensary. Oh, thank you. We would like Magnolia Wellness, the experience of visiting a dispensary, to be as amazing as the experience of consuming cannabis. It's transformational, right? You smoke cannabis or consume cannabis. You feel one way before. You feel a different way after. Hopefully better, right? You're either, yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, your That's pain the is goal. gone. Your, the cartoons are more are better. You know, you're suddenly really interested in the internet and writing and doing creative things. The, the dispensary should be the same way. When you come into Magnolia, we hope you cross the threshold. And when you enter, you feel different, um, better. You feel better. That It's an experience. It's something that you enjoy. You come for a reason. It's not just to shop. It's to have an experience just like consuming cannabis by walking in the door. Everything from the art on the wall to how incredibly nice the people that work with us are to the people that are around there who are a real community. And, you know, one of the things that's really different about Magnolia is we do have a permit for on-site cannabis consumption and we can vaporize and have edibles and can sell cannabis beverages in a, a really nice converted bar. Of course, it's closed right now because of COVID, um, but we are involved in uh, creating the first ever standard operating procedures for operating a on-site cannabis consumption lounge post-COVID. How do we clean the glassware between uses? How do we make sure that when people cough, you know, we're not spreading COVID. A lot of interesting stuff that we have to develop for the very first time. And we're taking charge of that ourselves. Uh, you know, Cannabis Bar, in our opinion, by the way, it's some parts of the facility you can come and learn, um, get info, find out more about cannabis. But in the Cannabis uh, Bar, the on-site consumption lounge, that's for enjoyment. Uh, come there to hang out with your friends. Come there to enjoy yourself. Come there to watch the game or attend the comedy night or to uh, get a free cannabis waffle when we're doing our uh, weed at waffle nights. Um, <laughs> it's really for enjoyment, right? We don't know, all have to be about education. Even in the dispensaries, it's not all about education and sales. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I was just remembering when I came to visit with you a few months ago, um, pre-COVID, gosh, and I walked into the store and I saw everything you were talking about. And then I looked behind the counter and I saw Tony uh, working as a bud tender. And I know Tony from the early mid 2000s when we were Americans for Safe Access chapter advocates and activists in Maryland, uh, completely opposite side of the country. Uh, so it was just really nice to see uh, the movement uh, the activists before it was an industry uh, coming to be a part of what this industry is that we're uh, building together. So that was that was just a really beautiful moment I had to share. <laughs> All right, we're going to take our first commercial break and we'll be right back to talk more with Debbie about what's going on at Magnolia Wellness this year. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, 
how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart Pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, Smart Pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart Pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million Smart Pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we've been getting to know Debbie Goldsberry, who runs Magnolia Wellness in Oakland, California, and typically in a non-COVID world, uh, she was talking a bit about her on-site consumption lounge, the very first cannabis bar, basically, Um, but things are very different this year, so so for starters, um, I definitely wanted to bring you on the show because your dispensary is one of several stories I heard uh, about just being impacted by everything going on, uh, the civil unrest and the protests. And also, I wanted to check in and see how everyone's doing and, and what you've all been doing to recover, dealing with damage to your dispensary. I understand you closed your doors temporarily. So uh, let's hear more about what's going on rather unpleasant chapter in the history of cannabis evolution of legalization. Um, There's a lot of social unrest right now. That's obvious. Uh, It's clear that the United States is not an equitable place and that um, in almost every industry you find that. And in the cannabis industry, you really find it. A lot of the cannabis permits have gone to, well, people who are already wealthy, people who are from outside of the industry Uh, It's hard to get permits. There's a limited number of permits, especially at retail. And because of the difficulties in compliance and the cost of compliance and the fees and the taxes, 
it's very hard for small mom and pop operations to stay in business. And what we've seen over the last two years, it's rather than some rosy situation that we envisioned back in 1986 when I got involved, what we found is that um, it's the cannabis industry has rolled up to fewer and fewer companies owning all of the businesses. At retail, you find companies that own multiple dispensaries across multiple states, these big multi-state operators. And unfortunately, when you look at the board of directors, you're going to find that it really skews towards the white male. And I mean, really, 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 uh, to a degree that we should all be alerted to. Um, we do find that we're doing a little bit better when it comes to uh, supervisors and small mom and pop companies are still owned by a more diverse group of people. But when it comes to these big MSOs and the roll up that's happening, it's really, it's really skewing towards a white male. And it's a big problem because that means that the permits are going to a very limited group of people. So that's the, that's setting the stage for what happened. Of course, there are um, riots happened in Oakland and all around the U.S., and unfortunately, um, when that happened, the cannabis businesses in Oakland were targeted for the, in part because of the social issues that I was just discussing. Yeah, um, yeah. We've been through many riots in Oakland. We're a rioting town. We riot a lot. Uh, this is the only time it's focused on cannabis. So we had about 39 companies targeted, cannabis companies targeted in Oakland. And we did have to close our doors temporarily, absolutely. Um, we're still closed right now. We hope to open in mid-September. There are a lot of challenges getting reopened. Insurance is dragging their feet, that's to put it mildly. Um, we have not been able to secure any of the emergency loans that have been put in place for people because of COVID or because of the riots, because those are underwritten by banks that are federally licensed and the cannabis industry can't access them. There are very limited number of grants that we can get for rebuilding. Uh, we secured a $600 grant to get a dumpster. That was our big success. You know, wow. the yeah. <laughs> we had about $200,000 worth of damage, maybe $250,000 worth of damage. Uh, believe me, insurance is fighting us tooth and nail, even though we have a policy that covers our cannabis. They're trying everything to get out of covering the cannabis. Uh, how are we going to get reopened? Uh, we have to go to market and find private funding. Uh, you try and raise money after your place has been shut down for rioting and uh, there's a civil unrest in your town and it's COVID. So it's a very tricky situation, but we have prevailed. Um, we're on the path uh, to reopening um, September 15th, but um, it hasn't been a pretty situation. I think we should all be aware that there will continue to be social unrest until the cannabis industry is fair and equitable. You know, that's why we didn't get too mad. What are we supposed to do? The cannabis industry has developed in a way that led to the fact that people felt perfectly comfortable during a riot about the unfairness and equity, you know, targeting cannabis businesses. So sad, but that's the, that's the fact and that's what it is. So we're rebuilding from there um, on mission to continue to work our hardest to build an equitable cannabis industry and to make sure that it's a fair situation for everybody. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for uh, reiterating those values that we at NCIA also share for sure. Um, so outside of what you're doing with your specific business, dealing with insurance, <laughs> calling them, chasing them, <laughs> you're you're also very involved in the community in general. Uh, you know who to talk to and how to talk to them. So I wonder what you and your team are doing as far as conversations with the city and law enforcement. Well, those are good questions. Um, I am currently a commissioner on the Oakland Cannabis Regulatory Commission. So wearing my other hat, I have a volunteer position on the Regulatory Commission. We're an advisory board to the city. Uh, we take public testimony and hold hearings once a month and 
um, and we advise the city council on issues that are important to cannabis. Um, after the riots, we were able to help fast track uh, grants, emergency grants to equity companies that had were hit by the riots. Um, we were able to, within one week, get city council send our info over to city council and our strong support. And city council voted to um, to make equity grants of fifteen thousand dollars available to people, just free money to help those companies rebuild. So that was great. Um, we had helped city council determine the need to declare a state of emergencies, not just around COVID, but around the riots, so that the cannabis businesses affected could get state. There's other state programs when a state of emergency has been declared. So, so I helped work on that. Um, I am smart. Yeah. yeah helping to lead a local dispensary coalition. We meet right now every Thursday, the dispensaries get together to share ideas about just shoring up after what's happening with the riots and the, and the civil unrest and who knows what's gonna come, but we have to be prepared and how to best work with uh, the police department and city council to get things done at that level that need to be done in a really cooperative and sort of collective way. So that's been super fun. I, I can't believe that we've actually managed to meet now for uh, ever since, uh, June, the dispensaries have been meeting once a week, wow. and that's been very productive. We've been able to engage with the, the police department on numerous occasions where they attend the meeting, and we discuss back and forth issuing complaints and trying to figure in and talking about productive ways to deal with the problems that exist. So, uh, yeah, and then we're working on this, um, like I was mentioning, with the on-site consumption of cannabis. We're really trying to get ahead of uh, government regulations by self-regulating. So, um, so we have a self-regulatory committee. Some there are some members at NCIA on that committee where we are working to um, figure out the standard operating procedures post-COVID for on-site cannabis consumption lounges using science developed by scientists, peer-reviewed by scientists. Uh, really something that we can show to government regulators that say the industry is still safe. You don't have to worry about it. It's self-regulated. And if anybody wants to regulate it, we give them our regulations. Hopefully they're like, wow, that's great. We don't have to do it. Yeah. So working on that as well. For sure. I, I very much like the idea of the cannabis industry regulating itself from the inside out so that when the feds do come for us, they're, they're actually impressed maybe that we were so thorough. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, and thanks for sharing about uh, you, your dispensary, coming together with other dispensaries who may have been, you know, comp competitive. It is Oakland. I'm sure it's a very competitive spot for dispensaries, but to see different dispensaries that are different companies that aren't connected in any way come together to sit at the same table uh, to build a, a coalition like that is really fantastic to see. Um, and as we were mentioning, one of the unique features of your dispensary is the on-site consumption for, I think, vaporizer-only products at this stage because of HVAC laws and so on. But I think you were starting to mention a bit uh, cleaning bongs and so on. But briefly, I wonder what kind of on-site consumption would, would look like once, once you can reopen. Uh, yeah, well, in, in Oakland, the reason we can't actually smoke cannabis inside is because the when they made a tobacco law they said no smoking of any kind if that makes sense so to smoke yep. cannabis inside we'd have to change the tobacco regulations and limit that to tobacco or exempt marijuana so it's a multi-step process um, we do think we could figure out the hvac um how to make the keep the air pure and fresh if we can ever get to the point that we can 
talk to the city about changing the regulations that prevent it. Um, for on-site cannabis consumption, I mean, the key thing is, yes, no sharing, please. Uh, that's not going to be happening it, probably at lounges anytime in the future, um, even for probably for a long time after there's a vaccine, herd immunity or anything like that. Because, I mean, the liability is simply too high for an operator um, into the future. Nobody wants, I mean, I don't even know what the cost might be. I'm talking about the human liability. We want these places to be very safe, very clean, enjoyable places where you're not worrying about your health or picking up a disease that could, you know, cause this kind of level of harm to you or your family. So um, cleaning, we have a dab bar license, like I was mentioning. We do know and have created the procedures on how we can be sure that the units are cleaned in between each use, such that if COVID wasn't a part of the mix, um, the person before you used it, we can put it, we can clean it clean enough that we can solidly um, guarantee that it's not going to have COVID when you pick it up next time. So nice. yeah, uh, we have created those. We need to, um, right now we're getting into the peer counseling phase or, you know, peer review phase on that. Um, and then we're going to go into some testing on how to do that. So yeah, we, you know, coughing is an interesting issue, of course. So we're we're trying to figure out how to handle the coughing thing. It, maybe it's just as easy as coughing into your elbow, but we're kind of thinking there might be consumption carols or, or phone booth type of things or, or mm. I, I don't know, cubicles. Go in there, use a unit, put a little air purifier that's to that particular unit, cough in the unit, cough forward, um, bring your computer, do your work and... And that's one way we can take contain it. So we're, we're looking at things like that right now. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah, lots to think about for sure. Okay, let's take our last commercial break and then we'll be right back to wrap up our chat with Debbie. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. My guests say Razzie Berry. We're talking about nature, naturopathic medicine, as well as the concept of prevention and preventing disease. Empower people to live a naturopathic lifestyle, get to know your body, understand its rhythms, remove toxins, and use natural alternatives whenever possible. 90 to 95% of cancers are due to environment and lifestyle risk factors. I mean, that's a huge number. That means that cancer is preventable. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential. I'm your host, Dr. Dina. We've got David Faustino on the line. Bud Bundy from Married with Children. Did you feel nervous being a celebrity walking into a weed store? I don't remember at all being like, ooh, I'm scared to even take my picture here. What are they going to say? Bud Bundy smokes Bud? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a big shocker. 
Hey, this is David Faustino, and I'm on Cannabis Confidential with my girl, Dr. Dina, on CannabisRadio.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we've been talking with Debbie Goldsberry from Magnolia Wellness, a cannabis dispensary based in Oakland, California. Um, So I know we've been talking about 2020 and, and all that this year has offered us, and I think it's poignant that you were able to get a grant for a dumpster since everyone likes to refer to 2020 as a dumpster fire. I think it's accurate. Um, But uh, big picture stuff is fun to think about. NCIA's 10-year anniversary as an organization, as the trade organization for the cannabis industry, um, is is later this year. We've been celebrating all year long, (laughs) um, or trying to at least. And I've been having conversations with people like yourself to do the 10 years ago reflection? Where were you 10 years ago? Could you have predicted the cannabis industry would look the way it does today? And and I will add on to that, that cannabis was deemed an essential business during the most severe phases of the COVID-19 pandemic city shutdowns. Uh, So just like grocery stores and liquor stores, um, cannabis was an essential business and was allowed to remain open, which is crazy. crazy cool, I mean. And as far as looking into the future, looking into your crystal ball to make some predictions or hopes and dreams for where you'd like the cannabis industry to be in the year 2030. So I know that's a lot to think about and a lot of time to traverse, but uh, do you have any thoughts around that? Well, let's hope that where we are in the future is everybody who wants a cannabis permit can get it. We don't have these um, pot deserts where, you know, you have to drive 60 miles to the closest dispensary or cross state lines, you know, Mm -hmm. to the state next door that has cannabis legal where you can go get it. Um, Let's hope that that continues. Let's hope that nobody's arrested for cannabis and that that we use cannabis how it really could be used, um, not only to create economy for those of us who have been doing it for a long time, but like maybe we can, I have this idea, you know, and I'm sure a lot of us have thought a a lot of people are using cannabis as a way to fund criminal activity right now. People who are still, not a lot, but there are people, we saw it in Oakland, using the sale of cannabis to to contribute to ongoing criminal activities. Well, cannabis is supposed to do the opposite. How about you just sell cannabis, you can get out of ongoing criminal activities. So, So let's continue to decriminalize and legalize cannabis and make sure everybody can get the permit and we make it a way not only to continue what you've been doing for, you know, 20, 30 years to feed your family, but to help people just focus on cannabis and build businesses that are going to last into the future and create this kind of generational wealth and stability. That means that overall crime and incarceration and, you know, civic problems just get solved through the use of cannabis. So I think, I think we've got a lot to do to, to really do what we want to do with cannabis to end prohibition and to move into this new era but let's hope it's more people getting more permits at every level, mom and pop, big businesses, small businesses, individuals. Um, let's bring back cottage industry cannabis like we used to have where you could grow you know, 250 feet safely at your house and sell it or where you could make cannabis products in your kitchen like they had in San Francisco and you could sell them into the retail marketplace. Um, I'd like to see that back in 10 years. Let's just end the green rush as it stands right now, this big spike 
and let's get to the place that cannabis is just akin to tomatoes. And if you want to grow <laughs> tomatoes, you can have a tomato store or a booth or, you know, sell it at the farmer's market or anything you want. We have to free it up. Wow. Yes, totally agree. I'm, I'm snapping my fingers over here saying, yes, yes. Thank you for, for sharing your voice on those issues as well. And I, I think a lot of us uh, completely agree with you. So hopefully, yes, it, even this year alone, there's more state ballot initiatives uh, for cannabis. So uh, removing the, the state lines for, uh, next to states that refuse to legalize um, and interstate commerce is, is a hell of a topic that we've been talking about and our members have been talking about. Uh, so yes, 10 years into the future, let's, let's see where we are for sure. Um, before we wrap up, I want to mention that NCIA's Cannabis Caucus Cyber Series is happening in September. So even though we can't host these awesome events across the country, as we've done for years, we took it online. So it's a cyber series now, and it's kicking off on September 15th, and we'll be in five regions, I think. Uh, so head to our website, thecannabisindustry.org, check our events page. And if you're an NCIA member, these events are exclusive and complimentary to you. If you're not a member, but you want to get in on the Cannabis Caucus Cyber Series, now is as good a time as any to join as a member and get plugged right in. Uh, additionally, we've got weekly webinars, sometimes more than one, that we're rolling out to keep everyone engaged, active, educated. We're continuing at NCIA to, uh, to push forward our values of education, community, and advocacy. So we're hitting it on all the fronts. And thank you, Debbie, as well, for jumping on the show with me today to tell me about what's going on at Magnolia Wellness and, and in the neighborhood, too. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Uh, magnoliawellness.org is our website and you can find me I'm on all the socials just my full name Debbie Goldsberry I'm on um, Facebook a lot if you ever want to talk to me I'm super chatty and opinionated over there so you're either <laughs> going to like it or not like it let me say that um, I'm okay with either way and uh, and I do like to be very interactive on my Facebook and just talk to people and understand the issues so come find me there Excellent. Thanks again, Debbie. And thanks everyone else for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.